Well, good day again. Who has um, just come back from a break, holiday, or been on holidays some stage in the last few weeks? Uh, good on you. Well, hope uh, if you did have a break that it was refreshing, and hope if you didn't get a break that you didn't need it. Um, or that you're going to have a break very, very soon. Uh, my name's DJ once again, and uh, I've just come back from a break myself, uh, two weeks away on uh, just a bit of holiday time, uh, and then a week moonlighting again as an academic, uh, kind of old habits die hard, they say. Uh, but I decided to leave that to the professionals or the professors, like John and Mark Baker and others here, uh, and get back to my day job. So here I am again, and it's uh, nice to be back with you all uh, in 2023. Uh, now, speaking of being back in my day job, uh, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, New Vine, because, uh, sorry if you're visiting, this won't mean as much to you, of course, but for those who've been around a while, uh, it's one year since you went through the first major leadership transition in New Vine's 28-year history. And you're all still here. Um, so well done. Uh, particularly, I want to pay tribute again to our founding pastors, uh, Andrew, who you've seen this morning in action, and also Paul Whiting. But I also want to pay tribute to you, um, because not many churches are able to go through a major transition like that uh, without, uh, as smoothly as I think we've been able to, to do it at New Vine. That's not down to me, that's down to a lot of people, including you. So thank you. Uh, for the way in which you've embraced that, that really significant change and, the, and also for your support that you've offered me and the amazing support that AJ, uh, Andrew and Paul, Luke, Jill, uh, Isaac, Isaac, Dan uh, and uh, now Cass and all of the other team members on our staff team have offered as well of course as our amazing lead team led by um, Alice. Uh, so thank you and uh, well done. I think we can... Um, Thank God for a, a, a overall, you know, there's a few bumps along the way always, but uh, overall a really smooth transition. Uh, well, <clears throat> also, while I'm thanking people, a huge thanks to Chris Davidson, who's not here, I don't think. I couldn't see him earlier. Uh, Chris and Beck, not here today. But a big thanks to Chris, all the same, might be watching at home or later, uh, for preaching last week. Um, wow. Uh, you never heard the story of Solomon told in that light before, probably, uh, uh, that was uh, fantastic and really appreciative of, of Chris uh, taking us through Solomon's journey. Um, if you missed it, please watch it on Catch Up. You can listen to the, the podcast or watch it on YouTube. Uh, he took us through how Solomon's small fails uh, against his kind of set of King of Israel KPIs uh, led to sort of major departures uh, from how he uh, should have fulfilled his role and how those small fails in our own lives can also lead to kind of major fails. So that was a great reminder and a great job. Chris, well done. Very well communicated as well. We look forward to having Chris preach with us uh, again very soon. But it's my turn this morning. And I have a very simple message for us this morning. In fact, it's a, it's a prayer, uh, a short prayer that nevertheless, despite its kind of pithiness, is, is kind of packed full of, of power. And I can't take any credit because I stole it. Uh, stole the prayer, but um, Bono sings, every poet is a thief. Uh, I can't claim to be a poet, um, but I can apparently claim to be a, f a thief. 
Um, so if you're one of the six people still on Twitter, uh, you can tweet this out this morning. Muvine pastor confesses to plagiarism and theft. How, how's that for the first tweet of my sermon? There we go. Um, well, it's been a good year, hasn't it? Um, thanks for one great year and uh, another one bites the dust, perhaps. But in my defence, uh, being what uh, Chris termed a Bible nerd, I plagiarised it from uh, none less than the Apostle Paul. Uh, and Paul wrote the prayer as a blessing at the end of a long and theologically profound letter which he wrote to the fledgling church in Rome uh, just a tick under 2,000 years ago. It was a letter which would inspire some of the great Reformation movements in history and untold generations of believers. And it's a prayer which in so many ways, in a simple line, less words than letters in our alphabet, summarises so many themes of that whole letter. And, and it checks out that it's as relevant today as it was in 57 AD or thereabouts when he wrote it to the church in Rome. But before we unpack this prayer briefly and then pray it together, let me just ask, how are you feeling about 2023 uh, so far? Uh, now, we've already put this... Uh, question in the, in the chat for those of you who are watching live online. Go ahead and pop your responses in the chat if you're watching uh, on newvine.online.church. Um, but how about you here in person? Who can give me a word or a phrase that summarises how you're kind of feeling at the start of 2023? By the way, this is not rhetorical. This is audience participation. So shout out. Excited. Good on you, Noel. Fantastic. I'd love to dig into that a bit more, Noel, but find out what those things are. Sorry, Fee. Hopeful. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. It doesn't all have to be positive, too. Challenged. Challenged? Okay. Thank you. Thanks for that honesty, Les. Apprehensive. Apprehensive? Yeah. Okay. And motivated. And motivated. Okay. Apprehensive and motivated. That's, that's a kind of a, a balance or a tension of things. We often find ourselves in those balanced states, don't we? Karen, do I see that hand? Okay. Is the end uh, near? Nigh, as they used to say. Anyone else like to share how you're feeling? It's like a group therapy session, really, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Juggling. Juggling. Yeah, okay. Keep on lots of plates spinning on the... Yeah, okay. Anyone else? Lots of different emotions. Oh, yes, I see that hand, Mike. Anticipation and uncertainty. Anticipation and uncertainty. Yeah, okay, those two things often go together too, don't they? You can be excited and nervous. You can be... Did I hear one more down there? Diana? Thought-provoking. Okay, super. Well, thank you for those responses. And obviously, our responses to that kind of question will be based very much on our circumstances, um, what we're facing, uh, what the, the year looks like ahead of us uh, to the best that we can guess. Well, uh, it turns out that on the whole, a majority of Aussies are, are pretty optimistic about 2023 uh, in terms of uh, how it compared to 2022 at very least and what it might hold for Australia and the world. Now, maybe that's um, to be expected. We seem to be 
slowly kind of uh, moving through the, the now long kind of COVID period. But a poll by uh, Ipsos surveyed uh, just under 25,000 people across 36 countries, including Australia. And it found that globally, 73%, it's a bit hard to read that, apologies there. I made it worse when I highlighted it, didn't I? Would have been better without. Anyway, it says uh, 73%, looking back on 22, said that it was a bad year for their country. That's globally, not just in Australia. That's the global respondents. And 56% of people globally described 2022 as a bad year for themselves or their family. So at the personal level. So it looks like more people found, thought it was worse for the country than necessarily pers personally, but a lot still found it a tough year. And then 56%, uh, I've covered that one already, but looking ahead, 65% of people surveyed globally expect 2023 to be a better year than 2022. So there's that kind of positivity. And as it turns out, Australia, Australians are slightly more optimistic than the average. 67% of Aussies uh, feel like 2023 is going to be better than 2022. That's a lot better than Japan, where, again, it's probably hard to read these apologies. But only 36% of people in Japan uh, feel such optimism for the year ahead. Um, but it's not as good as Brazil. Bra the Brazilians were the winners. Um, must be all that sunshine and beaches and things, but they, um, 85% uh, were feeling optimistic about the year ahead compared to last year. It turns out we're not so optimistic, any of us, about the economy. Uh, something like 79% of uh, those, those who responded globally expect the cost of living to rise in 2023. 68%, by the way, this is not in the test, you don't need to note these all down or anything. Um, 68% uh, expect unemployment to rise. 65% experience... Uh, oh, gosh, I've skipped ahead. 65%... 65... 65%... <laughs> 65%, we have a winner. 65% <laughs> expect more extreme weather events. You've had a preview of the rest. 57% believe it will be the hottest year on record. 45%, that's 57, 45% expect a major national disaster to hit their country in 2023. And arguably, most gloomy of all, uh, depends where you fall on the next question, but arguably most gloomy of all, around 48% regard the use of nuclear weapons somewhere in the world as likely in 2023. Uh, 48%, that's nearly half of respondents worldwide worried about that. And for some reason, it's really high in Indonesia. 69% of Indonesians, for some reason, particularly think that's particularly likely. Uh, but arguably, all this needs to be held a little bit loosely. And I say that because some of my two favourite responses to the survey were that 22% of respondents think it's likely that an asteroid will hit the Earth in 2023. <laughs> Nearly a quarter. And, best of all, 18% believe aliens will visit Earth in 2023. Now, that view is particularly high in India, for some reason. 44% of Indians are looking forward to that, or maybe fearful, but anyway. Uh, on the flip side, of course, with um, stats, there's always 
other ways of reading the stats, isn't there? The upside is that 65% of people around the world are quite confident aliens won't visit in 2023. Maybe we can all take comfort from that. Well, there we are. So it seems that as we enter 2023, there's a mix of overall optimism and some anxiety and uh, pessimism as well. But how about you? How are you feeling as we go into this new year? Like Fee, are you feeling hopeful? Or are you hurting right now? And finding it hard to feel hopeful? What's weighing on your heart and mind? Well, the Bible doesn't talk much about optimism. But it does talk a lot about hope. And if we had time, we could talk about the difference between the two. We could study a range of of biblical words in Hebrew and Greek, many of which refer to kind of expectancy, a sense of waiting for an anticipated future state or event. Uh, Like, for example, the Hebrew words kivah, which refers to this idea of waiting. Uh, And in the Old Testament, we see this word used quite frequently, including in the Psalms and other places where, where it seems like the The psalmist is waiting in expectation for God to respond, waiting on God. We could look at words uh, like uh, yachil, uh, which also means to wait, and we see this in passages like uh, Genesis 8.10, where Noah waited seven days and sent out the dove again from the ark, but we won't unpack that now. We could look at the New Testament words, the Greek, Greek word el pizzo, which sounds like a Mexican fast food outlet or something or other, but it, it is the verb for the word hope, to hope. I, 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 I hope in something or hope for something. And Paul uh, uses this word at times, as do others in the New Testament. Um, and there's also a noun version of the same, which is el peace. Uh, which means um, to have hope. I have hope, this thing that I have. And we see Paul use this, for example, in the kind of famous passage in Romans 5, where he talks about suffering, producing perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So if you are going through something tough at the moment or you're eyeballing something on the horizon, uh, maybe that will actually help grow your hope rather than diminish it in some way without treating that too flippantly. And that's good news because as St. Augustine writing around the start of the fifth century said, for what, oh gosh, that's quite hard to read, isn't it? Apologies there. For what flood of eloquence can suffice to detail the miseries of this life? It's a happy thought, isn't it? Um, but he has a go at the eloquent uh, flood, of, a flood of eloquence, doesn't he? There. But anyway, we're not gonna take much time on all of those words and things. Uh, let me just instead point you to uh, the Bible Project video on this uh, word of uh, hope. Um, they look particularly at the word yachil, but uh, other words as well. So if you want to dig into that, uh, let me suggest a, uh, a look at that video. So two questions. What are you hoping for this year? What are you hoping for? What do you hope will happen? And secondly, what is the basis of that hope because the strength and certainty of the basis for your hope 
uh, is what determines how hopeful you feel. Now, I can hope that the Sydney Swans win the AFL Premiership this year, but on the basis of last year's drubbing at the hands of the Geelong Cats, I'd probably be better off to hope that the Cats win again uh, this, this year, just saying. So the, the strength and certainty of your hope depends on the strength and certainty of the basis for that hope. We will have more hope when we know that the foundations of our hope are strong. So here are some things that make me hopeful for 2023. Oh, that's easy to read. I'd have done better to put it all in white, wouldn't I? Yeah. Um, things that make me hopeful from the last year. First, again, I am immensely humbled and incredibly proud of New Vine, including our amazing staff and lead teams, for how we as a church handled that leadership transition last year. And I think it gives me great hope that we can continue to move forward uh, in harmony this year, despite what bumps and challenges the year might bring. Uh, we've probably weathered what, what could have been uh, the, the more challenging year of that transition. At least I hope so. Um, so that brings me hope. And secondly, looking back, we did some great things last year. And I just want to take a moment again to acknowledge, uh, again, uh, all in our midst to contribute to this. Libby, with the help of the whole staff and, and some amazing volunteers, very quickly um, got our families and kids ministries up and running uh, really smoothly in person again last year post-COVID after Caleb had done such a great job keeping things going through the COVID period. Um, and that gives me hope that we can continue to build on that again this year and move forward with our families and kids ministry, go from strength to strength. Also our So Love series and our local legend campaign last year uh, was a great venture into ministering intentionally in and to our community. Uh, our Joy Tree appeal at the end of the year, uh, again in that category, plus I think probably our best, uh, our biggest and our best community carols under the stars, maybe ever, certainly in a long time. All of these things can give us great reason to hope that we can continue to grow our impact on our community in 2023. And thirdly, speaking of growing, our, uh, if you've been around New Vine for a while, you'll notice it's got to be busy on Sundays here. Uh, we've just put some extra rows of chairs out there this morning, and, pr and praise God. Uh, but from February to November last year, our average weekly attendance grew by a third, from a, an average of about 165, 166 a week back in February, when everyone's sort of back from holidays and the school year was underway, uh, to an average about 220 plus uh, by November. And then last week, we, we cracked 250 uh, people attending uh, for the first time in a long time. Uh, so something to be grateful for. Of course, numbers aren't everything, but as uh, Paul Whiting says, healthy things grow. And uh, that's one sign, perhaps, of, um, of growing. Uh, so another thing to be grateful for and something that I think uh, gives me hope for 2023 is that we made budget by the end of last year. Um, thanks so much again to all of you who generously give to support the ministry. We're completely crowdfunded. Uh, we don't get grants or denominational uh, funds or anything like that. So it's all down to your generosity. Thank you. And thank you particularly to those who gave some um, really generous gifts at the end of the year that, that helped us make our, made our, make our budget. So thank you to you. 
And uh, also something that makes me hopeful that's coming up this year is I'm really excited and hopeful about where we are going as a church. We're almost ready to launch our new mission and vision along with a strategic plan that the staff and lead team have been working together on in recent months. And I hope that that brings us even greater clarity and perhaps even excitement about where we're heading and the impact uh, that we can have together. Now, just on that, I just want to take a sidebar for a minute to say uh, that we've had to shuffle a, a few things around in the next few weeks and months. We had intended to hold our Vision Sunday on the 12th of Feb. That's probably what you've heard if you've uh, been with us uh, in December last year and early this year. But for various reasons, we've decided to reschedule that for the beginning of March. We'll firm up that date when a few things uh, land uh, this week, but it's either going to be the 5th or the 12th of March. So just a few weeks uh, back from where we had planned it. And apologies if you were waiting with um, great eager expectation for February 12th, um, but that will give us a little longer to, to, for anticipation to build. Uh, so I'm looking forward to sharing that with you, though, because, again, I think it can be a clarifying, unifying moment. And then we also have some great series planned for this year, a short series coming up very soon from John Adia on the book of Job. You're going to love that. Um, a series on the book of Hebrews starting just before Easter, uh, and one that I'm really excited about later in the year called Reconnecting. Better relate, and I'm the byline at this stage, working, it's a draft, but it's something like Better Relational Connections for Grown-Ups covering a range of relationships from better small talk to making friends as adults to finding deep and genuine community to improving our life partner relationships through to develop, deepening your relationship to God as Father, Son and Spirit. So I'm excited about that. Oh, and one more series inspired actually by AJ, something he said to me the other day. I thought, That's, we've got to schedule that in somewhere. Uh, it'll be called Jesus Said What? And we're going to tackle some of those tough and kind of confronting sayings uh, of Jesus in the Gospels. And that should be uh, a lot of fun, um, maybe a little bit edgy too. Uh, also, we are going to keep growing and developing our facilities here to make New Vine into a more widely used and accessible community hub, uh, among a bunch of other things that we'll outline on Vision Sunday in a few weeks. So those are just some of the things that make me really hopeful for us as a church community going forward, much more besides, uh, but thank you for being part of it. But of course, while those things give me hope, those are not the basis of my hope. It might be that those plans go to custard. That won't change the basis and foundation of our hope. That's right, that's right. Or whisked away by aliens. Um, could happen, could happen. So that all brings us back to this, uh, to my uh, favourite act of plagiarism uh, for the morning. Paul's prayer in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Spirit. Now, some will have read that a hundred times, sometimes stopping to really soak in it. Sometimes a short line like that we can kind of just flip past. But we're going to just park for a few minutes on it and look at, because it's full of riches. Uh, it starts with this phrase, hope you can make it out there, the God of hope, Theos to Elpidos in there's that pizza place again, um, Mexican pizza. Theos to Elpidos, the God of hope, um, the God of hope. If you change the emphasis, 
the God of hope. Again, if you change the emphasis. Now, someone can answer me again, not rhetorical. Where's Paul writing this letter to? Hints in the name. The Romans, yes. He's writing to the church in Rome, about 57 AD. Now, you don't need to be an ancient historian or to have watched those docudramas on Netflix or somewhere to know that Romans loved their gods, right? At least they have loved having lots of gods, uh, not unlike some cultures today. But Roman, Romans had adopted a bunch of the Greek gods. They'd kind of rebranded them with Latin names, but more or less the same. But they had uh, many, many of these gods. Uh, they had household goddesses and spirits whom they hoped would watch over their homes, their hearths, their health. And then there were public gods, which were believed to play roles in the life of the state and which were honoured in kind of public religion, state uh, rituals and things. For example, there were these three, um, the, um, sometimes called the, the triad. In the middle, you've got Jupiter, who is the king of the gods in the Roman pantheon, the equivalent of Zeus in the Greek gods. And then on the, his, uh, his right, your left, you've got Juno. And then on the other side, you've got Minerva, three of the kind of most powerful gods, if you like, in the pantheon. Uh, and then there were others like, uh, let me see if I can identify some of these. Uh, I think that's Juno again, reclining on the couch on the right-hand side. Um, you've got, oh gosh, this is going to test me out. You've got Vulcan at the back there. Uh, and in the middle might be, maybe that's Mars. Let's go with Mars, god of war. Um, as you can see, I'm not a, an expert in Greek gods. This one is Hercules, baby Hercules. There's a legend about Hercules sort of um, strangling a python or something like that. Um, they obviously weren't as worried about modesty um, as we are today. Um, but here we have Venus uh, in that sort of middle of that picture. Cupid, the god of love. Uh, Venus, the god of uh, love. Goddess of love, I think. And then that might be Mars behind her again. Uh, anyway, we don't need to get stuck in the details. But the point is they had a god for everything, uh, or almost everything. And if you go to uh, godchecker.com, they have counted all of these uh, gods, because sometimes the same gods are called different names and things. It gets a bit confusing. It's a different god, same god with a you know, different name tag. Anyway... They've counted 67 major Roman gods in the pantheon. And if you add in all of the spirits and demigods, just an ordinary demigods, you know, those ones, um, probably about 173, uh, more or less in total in the Roman pantheon, but they're still counting. So watch this space. There may turn out to have been more. But here's the point. 173 gods for just about everything from war to sex to food, pleasure, strength, tripping over at night. No God of hope in the Roman pantheon, in the Roman tradition. But Paul says the Christian God is the God of hope. Not a God amongst the pantheon. He's the God, the one God but he's also the God of hope. Now, let me just footnote something if you're fact-checking me this morning. There was a minor goddess of hope, actually probably better, a spirit of hope, and her name was Elpis in the Greek. 
And it seems like um, there's a fascinating side to this too, however. And that is in the legend of Pandora's box. This is not a bracelet box, by the way. This is um, an ancient Greek uh, box. In the legend of Pandora's box, told by the Greek poet Hesiod, about 700 BC, um, Pandora's box contains all these curses. And it's foolishly left open. And all of these curses or spirits escape into the world. Death, burdensome toil, disease, illness, etc., etc., etc. They all escape into the, into the world to wreak havoc. But there's one, according to Hesiod, there's one spirit that doesn't get out of Pandora's box, doesn't escape this prison. And it's hope. The spirit of hope. And, you know, there's debates among scholars about what this means in the legend, etc. But one reading of it is that at least in the Greek tradition, the Roman tradition too, hope is a prisoner and isn't able to go out into the world to counter the effects of all the curses of death and so on. But that's in the Greco-Roman tradition. In the Christian tradition, it's very different indeed. Because in the Christian tradition, hope is not imprisoned. Hope may have died on the cross, but then it rose from the grave. In the Christian tradition, hope conquers death and illness and all of the curses. In the Christian tradition, it is hope which drives out the evil spirits. As Paul writes in Colossians, uh, it disarmed the powers and authorities and it made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Because in the Christian tradition, hope is in Jesus. It's in our God. God, the high God, the only God, is the God of hope. As one commentator puts it in, uh, in the biblical understanding of hope, God in Christ is the origin of hope and he's also the object of hope. That is, he's the cause of hope, the basis of hope, and he inspires hope in us. And so the Christian faith is a faith in a God of hope. Let's keep moving with our passage. May the God of hope, Paul writes, fill you with all joy and peace. And here, uh, fill, again, it's easy to sort of flip past this, but it has a sense of filling completely until completely full. And particularly when Paul goes on to say, may fill you with all joy and peace, as he says. It's a, it's a way of emphasizing the fullness and completeness of the filling up that he's praying for for the church in Rome. It's a bit like saying, may God fully fill you up with a kind of super abundance of what he's praying for, this joy and hope. And joy and peace are psychological states that seem to be in somewhat short supply today. But Paul is praying that the church in Rome will be absolutely abundantly filled with joy and peace. And he seems to link these ideas of hope and joy and peace, that feeling sure and certain in hope on the basis of who God is, brings joy and peace even in the midst of pain and uncertainty in life. But joy and peace in this prayer 
are also linked by Paul to, uh, to our faith, to believing in him or trusting in him. Uh, literally, it's in the believing or as you believe, uh, be filled with these joy and peace. And he seems to be saying that uh, when we're filled to overflowing by the God of hope with joy and peace, this takes place as we're growing in faith, as we're learning to actively trust in God. And he goes on to say, so may... Oh, I'm a few slides behind again. There we are. Not that you can read them anyway. There we are. Uh, may all of this happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. And by putting this last, Paul again seems to be emphasizing the importance, important role of the Spirit in filling us with this abundant uh, outpouring and overflowing of hope. Well, who could use uh, an overflowing, abundant sense of hope as we go into 2023? Anyone? I reckon our world could. If so, I'm going to invite you to stand, either because you want some of that for 2023, or perhaps because there, are, there, are, there is someone or some others that you know need even just a standard measure of hope at this point in time. Maybe, or if you want to stand because you want to pray that for your family. You want to pray that for our church. You want to pray that for someone that you know that needs this help and hope. Maybe you want to pray it for our world as well. Uh, if you're visiting and it, it sort of makes you a bit uncomfortable to stand up, that's okay. Or even if you're a regular, you don't have to stand up. But if you want to pray that prayer with me today for someone, for yourself, for our church, for our world, then I invite you to stand. And what we're going to do uh, is this. I'll pray it first. There's no sort of magical, mystical thing that happens when we repeat prayers like this or anything like that. The power is not in the prayer. The power is in the one who listens and answers our prayers. But I think it's worth just taking time to pray this through a couple of times, maybe even slowly, so that it can really kind of sink in. So I'm going to pray it first for all of us um, as a church and community here. And then I'm going to invite you to read it with me. And then we'll actually pause for a moment or two so that you can just reflect on who it might be, whether it's yourself and what you're facing or going through or where you need a bit of hope in, in, uh, in, on your uh, horizon. Or if there are other people that you want to be praying that for, just bring them to mind, hold them kind of in your mind and your heart. And then we'll pray it again really slowly one final time. So I'll lead all of that, but just follow my lead. But um, Let's again open our heart and our mind to the Spirit of God who's in our midst this morning so that he may fill us to overflowing with a super abundant hope that withstands all the storms of life and gives us joy and peace beyond measure. So let's pray this prayer. I'll pray it first. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Well, let's pray it together. Here we go. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just take a moment or two now to think and reflect.